Day two of trial for a former Austin police officer accused of murder. The high emotions in court today. And heavy rain is moving back in when we may see flash flooding and one of our coldest Halloweens on record coming up. And families of over 200 hostages still waiting for their release. The calls for them to come home and the pleas for more aid in Gaza. Well, thanks so much for joining us here at 5 o'clock. I'm Daniel Marino. And I'm Britt Moreno. The second day in the trial of accused murderer and former Austin police officer Christopher Taylor brought tears as the woman who called authorities about the deceased Michael Ramos took the stand. The officer involved shooting happened back in 2020. Our Grace Reader is live at the Travis County Courthouse with today's developments. Grace. Well, like you said, the most emotional testimony today came from the woman who called 911 after she believed she saw Ramos in a car doing drugs. That was the 911 call that ultimately led to Ramos's fatal interaction with law enforcement. She admitted to the jury today that she told dispatch that Ramos had a gun. We heard that in the 911 call, but today she says that was not true. If anything I've ever done in my life, that was the, the most messed up mistake I've ever done. I didn't see that band with no gun. During that woman's testimony, Ramos's family got emotional and had to leave the courtroom. It's the second time that they did that today. The first was when experts were walking through crime scene photos, which did show blood. We are about to show you those photos and do want to warn that they can be hard to see. First witness Tuesday in the trial of APD officer Christopher Taylor walked jurors through crime scene photos taken by APD just after the fatal shooting. Some of the images showed blood where Mike Ramos was pulled out of a car to be medically treated before he died. The first witness, an APD sergeant, talked about what was found inside of the car Ramos drove when Taylor killed him, which included this hatchet, which had a cover on it. Do you have any reason to believe that there was a weapon that was there that y'all just missed, didn't find? There were also items in Ramos's Prius that an APD sergeant testified were stolen. That included license plates, a passport, checkbooks, and a credit card. That same sergeant testified there were likely illegal drugs and paraphernalia in the car as well. That's something the defense honed in on during cross-examination. Can it increase aggression and uh, aggressiveness level? Yes. Can it cause someone or encourage someone to become violent when they may not have been violent but for this substance? Yes. The jury also heard today from the CEO of a forensic visualization company. That company put together a digital recreation of this shooting scene, which they say helps a jury better understand what happened. It included this recreation of what Ramos may have seen at the scene. Court is still in session here behind me. They're talking to Mike Ramos's girlfriend right now. She was in the passenger seat of his car when this incident started. We're going to have all those details for you tonight on KXAN News at 6. Back to you. All right, Grace, thank you very much. More auto workers in Texas are now impacted by the a, uh, UAW strike expanding. Today, the union held a walkout shutting down a General Motors plant in Arlington. Now, the strike shows no signs of slowing as it goes past five weeks. GM says the strike has cost it around $800 million in pre-tax profits, and it's also costing the workers on the picket lines, with some turning to strike loans to survive with just $500 a week in strike pay coming in. Some say they want back on the job. My son's birthday, my son Atlas, his birthday is coming up on November 19th, and like, 
I want to have stuff for his birthday. So I want to get back to work because I like I can't um, I can't afford that stuff. And coming up on NBC Nightly News, what help striking workers are getting and where negotiations stand tonight. And we have Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans joining us now. So David, Travis County lifted the burn ban today. And right. I think we're all curious, is this because of all the good rain that we have received? Exactly, and more areas are cashing in on this rain. Yesterday, remember, the hill country kind of lost out. Look at this, today the heaviest rain has been in the hill country. 1.90 inches in northeastern Mason County, almost two inches as well up in San Saba County. Inch to two inches also recorded in Burnett and Gillespie counties. Let me take you outside right now where we're watching our friends in Buda get heavy rain rain on the rock and dirt yard cam. Notice all the rooster tails, the water spraying up behind the vehicles on I-35. Heavy rain is lifting out of Burnett and Lampasas counties, but we've got one thin little downpour, which is really making it pour in parts of Austin right now. Here is I-35, South Park Meadows getting heavy rain, South First Street, William Cannon, 71 out toward the Y, getting some really heavy rain as well, making roads slippery. If it's not raining yet where you are in Austin, it's probably about to arrive Arrival times of the heavy rain include Clarksville at 5.09, Valente out west at 5.16, and it should be up in northwest Austin by about 5.23. Coming up, we'll time out when even more widespread storms are expected in the next couple of days, a severe weather and flash flood threat, and get ready for jacket weather on what could be our second coldest Halloween. All right, David, thank you very much. Well, on the heels of Hamas releasing two more hostages, there are still many more families awaiting the fates of their loved ones. This as the healthcare system in Gaza is on the verge of collapse. And more dire news tonight. President Biden says aid is not reaching those who desperately need it quickly enough. Here's NBC's Alice Barr. New images of two released hostages show the elderly Israeli women being transferred from Hamas custody to Israeli forces. 85-year-old Yocheved Lifshitz says she was treated relatively well in captivity after going through hell. My mom is telling the horrific stories. She's saying that many, many people, a swarm of people, came through the fence. Their appearance like a mirage for the more than 200 families still waiting for word of their loved ones kidnapped by Hamas. They're going to push our buttons because they know how precious all these lives are and how desperately we want them all back. American Galia Mizrahi has four family members among the hostages. Two more were murdered in the October 7th terror attacks. She traveled from Los Angeles to Israel and attended the funerals, complete with a military procession. I wonder if you feel of two worlds or, or how this has maybe reshaped some of your views and your feelings. As terrible as it is to be here right now and how as exhausting and sad there are also moments of such uh, beauty and how people have gotten together. Amid urgent hostage negotiations, Secretary of State Antony Blinken at the UN Security Council calling for the first time for a pause in Israel's aerial bombardment of the Gaza Strip to get hostages and Palestinian civilians to safety and let humanitarian aid in. Humanitarian pauses must be considered for these purposes. President Biden saying today food, water and medicine are not getting into Gaza quickly enough amid desperate shortages of supplies and a medical system on the brink of collapse. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. 
Well, to the Republican impasse for U.S. House Speaker and Tom Emmer of Minnesota has dropped out of the race just hours after his nomination by the GOP conference. Emmer says it became clear he wouldn't have the 217 votes needed on the House floor to win the gavel. This comes after former President Donald Trump released a statement against Emmer's nomination. Emmer voted to certify the 2020 presidential election results. Now with him out of the speaker's race, reps Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma and Mike Johnson of Louisiana are expected to appear again on the next secret ballot in conference. Former Trump lawyer Jenna Ellis pled guilty today in the Georgia election interference case and she is now the fourth co-defendant of former President Trump to accept a plea deal instead of going to trial. She is pleading guilty to aiding to and abetting false statements and writings. The conditions of the plea agreement require that she serve five years of probation pay $5,000 of restitution to the Georgia Secretary of State and testify at hearings in the case. Ellis is also required to complete 100 hours of community service and write an apology letter to the people of Georgia. New details about the Alaska Airlines pilot who tried to shut off engines mid-air why he was allowed to be in the cockpit off-duty. And the search for the man who shot two police officers in Tennessee is on. The connection the suspect has to Nashville's police chief. Tonight we're learning more about the off-duty Alaska Airlines pilot that tried to turn off the engines of a passenger plane while flying to San Francisco. Joseph Emerson was sitting in the jump seat in the cockpit. Aviation experts say jump seat riders, including off-duty pilots and federal officials, are subject to increased training and security, and since he is a pilot, he was able to sit there. Emerson tried to shut down the engines by pulling on the red engine fire handle in the overhead panel designed to cut fuel off in the case of a fire. Now the airline says thanks to the pilot's quick thinking everyone was safe and it adds that Emerson completed all medical certifications during his career. He has been booked on 167 charges including 83 potential counts of attempted murder. People driving out of Texas to other states in search of an abortion could reach a dead end. The risk of traveling for reproductive care. And check out your radar this evening. We've got a big band of heavy downpours moving south to north into Austin. We'll track out these storms path, have even more rain on the way, and finally a significant cold front next. After Texas passed a near total abortion ban, the fight is not over for some of Texas' most conservative counties. Now more localities are passing their own barriers to abortion and looking to keep their residents from traveling to other states. And these restrictions go beyond even the state's strict abortion ban, banning it not just in Texas, but for the people who live here. Our Ryan Chandler brings us the latest and the legal battles ahead. Texas's total abortion ban, not the end of the road for some conservative counties. The roads to reproductive care now carry the risk of lawsuits against people looking to leave. Even though abortion is outlawed in the state of Texas, we still have here in America abortion states. After helping Lubbock pass their abortion travel ban, Mark Lee Dixon is on the road to Amarillo. He hopes they join other counties, including at least Mitchell, Cochran, Ector, and Goliad, in banning its residents from seeking abortions, no matter where they are performed. Mason County and the city of Llano have also considered their own ordinances. Let's truly be a pro-life community, but we shouldn't need a piece of paper that says you can't drive on our roads to be known as a pro-life county. 
Before approving the ban, Lubbock leaders expressed doubts over its practicality and worries for expensive court challenges. There's a laundry list of legal issues. The ACLU says these bans are unconstitutional and unenforceable, stoking a border dispute not with Mexico, but New Mexico. If a person travels to New Mexico, for example, Amarillo can't use a backdoor way of prohibiting healthcare access in New Mexico because that is an extraterritorial prohibition on conduct. But the activists behind the effort not satisfied, while any viable options for abortion exist in Texas or elsewhere. Until abortion is outlawed from coast to coast, we've got a lot of work to do. As Ryan Chandler reporting, Lubbock is now the largest Texas city to implement a ban on travel for abortion, but the prohibition only applies to the unincorporated areas of the county, meaning the residents of the city of Austin, well, it doesn't apply to them. The county stressed the law is not enforced by law enforcement, but rather by private lawsuits. Other states have tried to enact abortion travel bans. According to Harvard Law's Bill of Health in 2021, Missouri lawmakers attempted to include in an abortion bill a provision that would have made it against the law for someone to help a Missouri resident get an out-of-state abortion. In 2022, Republicans blocked a U.S. Senate bill, the Freedom to Travel for Healthcare Act of 2022, which had been introduced by Democrats to guarantee freedom to interstate travel for abortion. In April of 2023, Idaho became the first state to explicitly restrict interstate travel for abortion by passing legislation that made it a criminal offense to help a pregnant minor to obtain an abortion. All right, David joins us again. Looks like it's coming down out there for a lot of us. It really is right here at the studio. You can actually hear it on the roof. Let me take you out to the Austonian weather cam where it is pouring. Finally, a stormy month of October is looking how we're accustomed it to looking uh, to it looking 79 degrees right now with dark clouds and heavy rain. Really, the rain in the hill country and east of Austin has sort of vacated the area for the evening, we think. So this downpour continues to be our focus. Heavy rain from Lake Travis to central Austin, all the way out toward Mustang Ridge and Coda. Here's the arrival time of the heavy rain as this moves northward at 30 miles an hour. It includes the Miller area at 520, Tanglewood Estates in Leander, 530 to 535, and even up in Round Rock and Pflugerville before 6 o'clock. Sometimes we can see a mold pollen spike with rain like this. We have not seen that yet. Mold and fall elm are up a little bit, but they're both staying low in concentration. Yesterday's tropical remnants from Hurricane Norma are out of here, way up in Missouri tonight. But notice this river of moisture just still streaming into the state. This is wonderful, and the rain will continue. Low pressure, you can see it here spinning up on the water vapor image to our west. When we're ahead of this thing, and when that thing collides with us, that means more rain is quite likely. When does it collide with us? Tomorrow night into Thursday. That's our best chance of seeing some widespread heavy rain. There is a minor marginal severe storm threat late tomorrow night in the hill country. Just one out of five. We're not expecting a big damaging hailstorm again. Flash flood threat though, there's a minor risk of that as well in the hill country late tomorrow night into early Thursday. May get a little too much rain all at once, uh, potentially yielding a couple flash flood warnings, but nothing terrible we're thinking. Here's the clouds and radar forecast several hours from now. Notice by 8.30 or 9, the rain is fading away quickly and we stay pretty calm overnight. A couple passing showers develop by morning, kind of like every morning so far this week.
Tomorrow, not a stormy day, but like today, a couple passing showers, even a thunderstorm possible. Here comes the main event, though. Late tomorrow evening, look at the hill country. A big, slow-moving complex of heavy storms uh, congeals itself, or if you will, late tomorrow evening, and then slowly marches from the hill country toward Austin in the pre-dawn hours Thursday. Thursday morning's commute could be a mess across the metro with heavy rain on and off uh, for several hours. This may even continue in Austin through midday Thursday before winding down temporarily on Thursday evening. From now through Thursday evening, if you haven't gotten rain, you will. One to two more inches of rain. Many of us have already gotten one to two inches, and in the hill country, we're thinking a few three to four inch totals are possible, and that's only through Thursday. This weekend, we do warm up temporarily, but let me show you some reason to plan a jacket with your Halloween costume this year. Here we are Friday, Saturday, Sunday with warm weather locally, but the strongest Canadian cold front of the season thus far plows through here late Sunday, leading to several days of chilly and wet weather. A first warning on your Halloween forecast. It may look like this at 7 p.m. for trick-or-treat plans next Tuesday. Uh, cold north winds, light to moderate rain, and temperatures potentially in the upper 40s. So consider yourself warned, and of course, we'll keep you advised as it gets a bit closer. Tonight, mostly cloudy, mainly dry after dark with a low of 71. Tomorrow, another warm, cloudy day, a few passing showers and storms possible. The best chance of rain comes early Thursday. That's at 80%. Rain chances continue Friday. They dwindle Saturday, but with that next cold front coming, light to moderate rain becomes likely early next week. And winter-like temperatures, a high of 56 on Halloween. That would be Austin's second coldest Halloween day on record. All right, David, thank you very much. Police in Tennessee are still searching for the son of Nashville's police chief suspected in the shooting of two police officers. Officers in Laverne, a city about 20 miles southeast of Nashville, were investigating a stolen vehicle outside of a Dollar General store when a man pulled a handgun and shot them. 38-year-old John Drake Jr. was named the suspect. He is the son of Nashville Police Chief John Drake. Chief Drake says he and his son have been estranged, and he adds his son is a convicted felon, and he says he needs to be found and held accountable. Meta being sued over mental health concerns. The state's joining in. Right now, did the hallucinogenic magic mushrooms play a role in a pilot's bizarre attempt to crash a commercial jet? What he allegedly told authorities and the major setback for some driverless taxis. That story and more on Nightly News. Meta is getting some pushback for allegedly targeting kids with addictive features. 41 state attorneys general filed a lawsuit against the social media giant today. Texas isn't one of them, but these attorneys general say Meta designed its Facebook and Instagram products to keep young users repeatedly coming back. A spokesperson for Meta says they are committed to providing teens with safe, positive experiences online, but the states are seeking an end to what they say or what they see, rather, as Meta's harmful practices, as well as penalties and restitution. The federal suit filed in California also accuses Meta of violating the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act by collecting personal data on users under the age of 13 without parental consent. Two families need your help after a hit-and-run crash in East Austin off of East 6th Street late Sunday night. Two young men were hit on a scooter. One of them suffered a traumatic brain injury. 
Jacob Caldwell and Wesley MacArthur were in town this weekend for F1 with their families. After dinner, the two joined Jacob's stepbrother for drinks off of East 6th Street. And while taking a scooter back to their Airbnb, family says a driver ran a red light, hitting Jacob and Wesley near Kamal and East 6th. Jacob has to undergo surgery for a broken nose. Wesley remains hospitalized. We headed through an intersection, you know, with the green light and you know, next thing I know, we were on the ground. So um, just one of those things that happened so fast that um, I can't really recollect everything that happened in those few seconds. Okay, KXN Digital reporter Kelsey Thompson has more on the search to find the driver, as well as details on how to report tips to Austin police online right now at KXAN.com. Tonight on KXAN, it's two hours of The Voice starting at 7, followed by Found at 9, then we're back with KXAN News at 10.